this is the audio podcast, episode number 93, Summer Logic. I'm Scott Hewitt, and this week I'm joined, as always, or very often by... Samuel Freeman, that's me, and this week we also have... The classic Adam Yard. Hello, everybody. Hello. Now, for, for the, we should quickly clear this up immediately, Adam, but is it true that you have actually been replaced in real life by a photo of yourself? Uh, no, no, that is, that is live video, and I'm, I'm standing very still. It's and, pretty awesome. And uh, I'm throwing my voice directly to my microphone. So yeah, uh, you know, stay uh, stay logged into the Google Plus Hangout if you want to see if I uh, move uh, here or there. But you can also get information on uh, our notes for today at the Audio Podcast at Code UK. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can do all sorts of social mediary type things. You know, we're listening. It's awesome. Let's get straight into the news. The first item of news today is a release of Ardor 3.3. Now, I, I did a quick investigation because we talked about Ardor 3.2, you may remember, last month. And it, Ardor have actually switched on to a monthly release cycle for minor, minor version numbers. So mm. that's why they're happening quite frequently. Uh, so this month, uh, the 3.3 release um, has some new metering, a new meter bridge and better free sound integration. Um, as always, as our regular listeners will know and love, I, uh, I like to pick out my fixed highlight. So this time it was avoid similar name conflicts with Aspect Linux BST plugin, making it possible to use the plugin without semi-random crashes. Semi-random crashes. Uh, or, or if you're American, semi-random crashes. There we go. Semi-random. You know what I've just realized? Okay, it's called Ardor. No, Right, and it is a little bit arduous <laughs> to uh, to to install, and and or maybe it isn't. Uh, it's been a while since I used Ardor. I must admit. Well, if 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 you're on a Linux platform, Ardor is a matter of just bringing up your package manager of choice and just typing install. And if you're on uh, Windows or OS X, it's a little. It's not quite as free as you. It's not quite as open source free as you'd maybe hope it was. But it's a bit more Ardorous. Yeah, I was on, I'm on macOS, so it wasn't as easy as just going into the package manager for me. Um, uh, onto, onto a software that uh, isn't available on uh, the Linux platform at all, SoundForge. SoundForge like Pro 11. Huh. 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 By Sony. When did Sony buy SoundForge? I, I, we talked about that when it happened, didn't we? Ages ago. I thought they bought like 10 years ago, 15 years ago or something. Yeah. And new features? Well, it has the modeless one-touch recording. But new features are support for input bus effects, a new plugin interface, support for Bext, BWI, V2, and IXML. Ooh. Well, well good, good work there, Adam. Nice, nice <laughs> Also comes with uh, Nectar Elements by uh, Isotope and also the Calm Compliant Metering. There you go. There you go. It's available online. Obviously, if you go to our show notes, stealyourpodcast.co.uk slash show slash 93, then the links to get all of these goodies are, are there. We, 
Well, no, this calm thing, we've talked about the loudness monitoring kind of standard that was out, but was it always called CALM, C-A-L-M, Commercial Advertisement Loudness Mitigation Act? That's that's a great name for it. I never, I mean, we've I talked about they, the thing before, but... I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's called that. Well, of course not, but I think I'm, I'm all for <laughs> these great things. Uh, acronyms. Pretty, yeah. I liked it. That, that's why I put it in there. I'm saying... I, I guess we should make it very clear to people that when, whoever writes the show notes, like whether it's me or Sam or whoever, whoever's put it up there, we tend to pick our favourite highlights, and that's quite often more to do with what we think will be amusing to talk about rather than <laughs> actual genuine highlights. So, you know, what you really should take away from this coverage is that there is a release of SoundForge, and if you're a SoundForge user, you might want to just go and check it out because there could actually be some genuine thing that's of interest to you, not just what I think would be funny to chat about. That's cool. That's cool. why we put the show notes together and that's why we put the links. And the cool thing about the links is that we actually link to the release documents more often than not. So it's not just a general a release has happened. We're actually link you to the what's new in this release and all the rest of it. So I like to think we're a little bit more helpful than perhaps. But there we go. Very Every sweet. time very like, sweet. There's been a couple of um wave lab updates in the past couple of months or so and this is another audio editory thing and yeah, I keep, I do most of my audio editor in, in Audacity still, and, you know, it meets most of my needs, but every now and then I think, you know, it would be nice to have some more powerful, more more, more shiny things to play with. Might speed up some, some of the jobs I do. So, yeah. I, I find that the biggest need I have and the biggest key advantage of, you know, Audacity is the fact that you can install it on any computer, wherever you are, and use it, and then walk away. And that's a bit of a... Mm. I find that's a winner. That's you know, I can't I can't say how many times that I've been saved by just being able to borrow a random person's computer for thirty minutes and fix a problem. That's, that's happened a few times for me in the past now. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, Scott. You know, we're talking talking of calm, right? Um, I'll I'll tell you who isn't calm, and uh, that's the the population of Northern Ireland, as Northern Ireland appears to be on sale. <laughs> Does have, an I, I, have I have I read the the, uh, the notes correctly? Um, the European economy goes no. Um, this is not a European economy story. This is about native instruments, and um, <laughs> that was an awesome link, Adam Yanch. Awesome <laughs> what what he doesn't offer in facial expression, he offers in linkage. I I, I was planning that for the last three minutes. <laughs> So Native Instruments have announced the blockbuster season. Sam? There's been a lot of this kind of filmic, audio, software-y stuff, crossover things. I remember the Spark system and Spark LE had a, a whole sound set of movie theme-related stuff and soundscape things. And now these people have 50% off less cinematic instruments and effects for the rest of the month, which is the rest of the week, pretty much, isn't it? Um <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. It exists. There's some kind of thing going on, as far as I can tell. Maybe it's always there. I mean, it's hard to make, you know, widespread generalizations that themes are happening in the world based on our very small selection of random news that we happen to pick up on and choose to talk about. But that's what I'll do anyway. Fantastic. You mentioned it in passing. But, well, in reference at least, but Autoria Spark has, actually has version 1.7 released. Yeah, new release. Mm -hmm. Another new Excellent. release. 
Uh, with a redesigned browser, that's always that's what I'm always looking for in a new release. Is a redesigned <laughs> browser, it's great. Things that you once knew where they were are now somewhere else, and it will probably suit somebody else's workflow better, but never your own. Um, oh. Also, and the addition of six new stompbox type effects, and those are the six effects from one of the other Autoria um, soft synth keyboards and maybe the world sir i forget i forget i i forget i'm sorry shocking coverage well it's a free update for existing users though which is pretty awesome and it brings in the aax support for pro tools 11 yeah oh that that that's very relevant i oh for anybody asking wondering about pro tools 11 i'm just so sick of talking about it and talking i just decided we weren't having any pro tools 11 related news today about things being supported or not supported i just just don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, sorry for bringing it in there. Yeah. No, no, it's we'll fine. It bring week. it in. It was my decision. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying next week we could do like 20 plugin announcements if you want to. Um, okay. It's nice that it's a free update for existing users, though. That that's really nice. I think. Yeah. You know what's good if you if you can't offer a free upgrade, you know what is nice is some sort of uh, kind of subsidized upgrade offer or something like that's also nice as well. Well, I, you know what, I'll I'll tell you. Um, the, the other way of doing it is to just uh, make everyone buy the software again at full price. That's, uh, that, that's an interesting strategy there, Adam. Um, well, I mean, if, one... if you've made people wait, like if it's been years and years and years since they bought it anyway, then, um, then, maybe, then maybe, that's not such a, such a bad, maybe that's not such a harsh thing to do. I don't know. So yeah, as, as we allude as as we allude to it many times, let's quickly uh, cut cut to the chase and then enjoy our alluding yet more. But uh, uh, Logic Pro X has arrived. Apple have announced it. Um, the 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 short summary is they haven't stuffed it up spectacularly, um, which is nice. The 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 extended summary is that um, there is no upgrade option. It's full price. But I I guess what you're about to say is that you know. Most people probably bought Logic a long time ago, and it is only what two hundred dollars to buy. So it's yes, but it's still two hundred dollars. And anyone who bought it on the App Store in the last two years will have to stump up two hundred dollars for a lot of all what they already have. I know it's been repackaged, but it'll basically it'll be ostensibly the same thing with some new. Gubbins. Let's talk about the new Gubbins, though, shall we? Well, I, I, actually, I'd like to talk about that point just a little bit, just before we go to the new Gubbins, which is just to say that with the exception of the 32-bit plugin bridge, which allows you to run 32-bit plugins in Logic, there is no, nothing has been removed from Logic in this in this update. So they, they're not advertising anything else as being removed or support being dropped. So you can even do an optional download of jam packs and use jam packs inside the new version of Logic Pro X. So I, I think that's a really cool thing, because let's face it, if you were to have bought this and discovered you couldn't use half of your old sessions, that is a complete disaster, and not without, you know, and Apple have done that kind of update in the past, haven't they? So I think most Logic users will be really glad that they can probably continue to use, you know, buy this and load in their old sessions and carry on fine. So that's cool. Adam, what was your favorite new feature, though, that you saw? Oh, I don't know. You know what? You know what caught my eye was probably the arpeggiator. Although I didn't really, from the materials, I didn't really get an idea of of how it is integrated. Because you could always use the environment to provide an arpeggiator for MIDI tracks. But I think this new one is a little bit more 
well, a bit, a, a bit less clunky because the environment, doing anything in the environment was really clunky. So I suppose that was what kind of caught my eye. And of course, it's had a, a, not a lick of new paint, but it's been reorganized a bit. So I wonder if that helps with some of, some of the woes I have with Logic is because you've got multiple panes, you have to keep track of which one's in focus because yeah. that's the one that takes all of the key presses. Um, and sometimes, you know, you'll have your, the audio editor open, but you'll just want to hit spacebar or, or go, and it'll start running the actual sequence rather than playing the audio file that's down at the bottom. Things like that, which will, was, um, that's one of the kind of drawbacks of the one window system that they created. So it'll be interesting to see if they've done something with that. Um, how about you two? Um, on a similar note to I, I think in it, the I, MIDI I, thing that you brought up. Oh. I'm, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> no, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Sim similarly, my, the, the key thing that I found, just following on from what you were just talking about there, Adam, was um, with the new mixer layout that they put together and the mixer view, uh, one of the key things they talked about there was the fact that you no longer have to remember cuts and control clicks and alt clicks and stuff like that. They've actually shifted more buttons into the mix of channels so you can actually just click on things rather than actually have to use the keyboard shortcuts and I think that's a you know th that was something that I was really glad to see because I switching between doors as I do fairly frequently I can never remember all of the keyboard shortcuts so logic used to really infuriate me because it was you know I was like there's a way of doing this but I can't remember the magic key press and the menus are massive so it was always frustrating Sam what was your uh, what feature did you see that caught your eye um, the MIDI scripting, the, the ability to write um, JavaScript-type things for processing MIDI, I think that's pretty cool. Just It's another way of... Because they always had the environment, but people didn't really touch it. It's a way of kind of getting programmatic with your data. And there was the, the, the MIDI filter uh, and processing segment, which was always a bit... It, the filtering was always complicated, I found, because it was very computer-based. It was like something, something has to equal something something or something something is greater than something something and it wasn't very approachable for someone I mean even you know I know computer programming and not even I really quite understood that so yeah that's a, a good thing you know what the one probably the biggest thing in there that we have not mentioned yet what's that the iPad control yes. well there's, that's that's a fairly big thing there's also another big thing but yep iPad control that, that's cool. I'm saying. No, but, but you kind of when you actually look at it, it's actually it's far more than just uh, a bunch of faders. You can actually swipe through the pages, and you get individual controls for different parts of Logic, including some of the instruments. And yes, so that's it, quite. It's deep. a custom application, isn't it? It's a it's a brand it's a brand new application available in the App Store for iPads. And it is designed. It, it isn't designed to control other things. It is purely designed to control Logic and has a very deep integration into the Logic environment. So you can switch between pages. I think it's part of the reason why they've started to why why they introduced those buttons into the mixer view as well and other things like that is because on a on a touch interface you've got gesture, but you don't have you know multiple key multiple control keys to use. So I think that's kind of driven a lot of the interface changes they've got there is this desire to get a kind of touch interface integrated into the logic environment and one that I think I think they've done a really good job of from what I've seen of it so far it looks it looks very impressive and 
far more convincing than maybe a lot of the other ones, which have just kind of been like, here's a, you know, here's a slider on on the screen, and you can kind of do this a little bit. But you know, I I was quite impressed when I saw that that's seen the demonstrations of that. I was it seemed quite impressive. Indeed. And Sam, what was the other big thing that we? I I think the flexi pitch and flexi time stuff they've introduced is quite quite significant. Really, it's like something that certainly wasn't there before, and um, it's kind of in line with I think a lot of um, DAWs have this kind of stuff coming in now with from the where like Melodyne used to have like the claim to being the only people doing it. It's all a bit more. There's people got their own versions now, but it only works with monophonic, whereas Melodyne will offer you pitch control over polyphonic material. This is, if you've got a single voice in a track, you can manipulate pitch. So does that mean no, that Studio One Two still has the edge because it has a Melodyne plugin built in uh, low level to it? I think so. I think Melodyne is probably still ahead of the game on this sort of stuff. But I don't know. I haven't tried either. I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I'm still holding out for the time when I'm going to try Melodyne 30-day trial, and um, yeah, I certainly haven't had a go on the Logic version yet. Now Do that's you... a big thing. That's a big thing. You mentioned 30-day trial. That's with Melodyne, but yeah. um, Pro Tools is available as a demo. Uh, Digital Performer is available as a demo. Uh, Reaper is available as an almost ongoing demo. It seems you can get Studio One version two as a demo. I don't know about Cubase. Or, or the yeah, other there, PC versions, but there is a Cubase demo, and there, there is, is an Ableton, Ableton Live demo as well. Yeah. And um, however, you can't do that with Logic because it's only available through the App Store, and Apple haven't created. I don't think there's a demo for Logic. I don't think there's a way that Apple have to to distribute it. Not that I've seen. I I guess they're still pitching on price here, aren't they? I'm saying the fact that Logic is 199. Dollars. Yeah, but then you know, look at uh, well. I suppose I'm thinking almost student prices of certain things. But you know, Studio One is not expensive, and obviously Reaper's not expensive. Um, But but I guess and for Apple, or at least my experience, having been in a couple of Apple stores and you know done some sessions with a few people in there, some training sessions with people in there now, I've I've noticed a couple of things that they're doing. Like um, there's a definite kind of cross sell. Uh, an upsell from GarageBand, so it's kind of like, you know, when you get your new Mac, they'll sign you up for one of those kind of, you know, those kind of one-to-one session things they do, and those one-to-one yeah. sessions are very kind of, they're, they're, you know, I think they're pretty good for what they offer. I, you know, I mean, I've recommended them to quite a few people, but the one thing they do do really well in there is upsell. So I can see them being, oh, you're interested in making music here? Let's do a couple of weeks in GarageBand, and now I'll start pointing out all the things you can't do. So why not buy Logic? And that's, you know. Yeah, and it's only it's only 140 pounds. It'll be about 100. It'll be 139.99 or something, won't it? So, and I think that's probably what I suspect. That's a lot of what they're do. A lot of what the idea is is that they're going to sell like that to people rather than maybe go for the established audio world. If that makes sense. But, well, yeah, I, I guess that's their way in. I, Apple's way in with logic is to make it easy, easily kind of linkable to GarageBand. And cheap. Yeah. And you know, you can make obviously you can make professional quality releases with Logic. So it's not like it's flawed and you could never ever hope to make a chart hit with Logic or something like that. That's not true. It's just it's horses for courses, is yeah, what I say. 
So I'll, I'll just quickly, um, I, a couple of changes that I spotted. There's the introduction of track stacks, which is essentially like the, being able to group things together without kind of combining their audio outputs. Um, there's a new mix of view. The score layout has a, had a lot of work. It now indicates elements that are actually looping um, in there, which I always found was annoying. Uh, support for music XML and also SoundCloud exporting in there as well. There's the drummer, which is the new kind of drum, uh, kind of automatic drum machine in there with the drum kit designer, the bass amp designer, a new set of pedal board stomp boxes, the arpeggiator that Adam mentioned, uh, refinements to the B3, which they've kind of tidied up the interface a lot, and the retro synth looks an awful lot better as well in terms of usability. So I think that's kind of cool. Uh, create digital music, have an awesome article with photos and stuff like that. You know, that's the, it's cool. <laughs> and um, music radar have a really great one as well, which I thought was, you know, really great. Some really great articles as well. So I that one thing cool. that they haven't done with the tracks is um, put on a proper stereo panning control. I think it's about time Logic had a proper stereo panning control, so you didn't have to go to the plugin that allows you to do that. But you know that's just a a, a semi minor gripe of of mine. The gripes of Adam Yanch. Yes, they are many, and we could go on forever, but so, we shan't. Uh, indeed. So with um, so that's it. There, there is a new Logic, Logic Pro X. It, there's a bit of me kind of sad because I'd really enjoyed the way we could just joke about <laughs> there wasn't a Logic update, and we've done that for years, and it feels like a, a kind of things have changed. Yeah, we're gonna actually have to talk a... about stuff now. Oh no. Well, maybe so. Who hasn't updated in a while? Motu, DP went soon, Cubase, Pro Tools... Sonar. Sonar, I guess it is. I don't know if we've ever, ever, even mentioned Sonar on the audio podcast. Perhaps we've mentioned not mentioning it. <laughs> we certainly I think have we have then. mentioned Sonar. We, we have mentioned Sonar, I'm sure. That we've talked about it. Maybe we haven't. I don't know. Anyway, should we go on to our final item of news, Sam? Yes, this is a um, Kickstarter project which is underway and it's iPad related, it's media related and it's a pop-up keyboard. So this is an iPad case that clips on with the magnetic thing, folds up and, and then when you open it up you kind of like pull a little lever and it magically turns into a 3D two-octave controller keyboard. Awesome. Wow. Wow indeed. Wow. It connects um... over low-power... Um, Hang on, it's been a while. Yeah, the Bluetooth. Bluetooth low power is what it connects over, so it's not a physical connection. And it's got um it's designed for future upgradability, so it's got a bit inside that opens up for hardware expansion in the future for adding potentially for adding more faders or knobs, different types of controller. Yeah. And, and it's they've already hit they they've hit their Kickstarter goal already, which was ninety nine thousand dollars. They've got hundred and twenty six $1,176, but of course, 16 days to go, you can continue to go there and pledge and back, and uh, yeah, there are a number, like normal Kickstarter things, there are a range of levels, depending on how much you want to pledge. Yep, so I think all of the first batch of these that are to be made are going to be, are all gone now, by the looks yep. of it, yep. um, but you can also you can also pledge in order to get a second batch one. And in the video, they talk about um, how they're planning to assemble these all by hand, like themselves. Um, is that really a good thing, or is it actually better for a machine to build them? I think, 
Well, I don't know whether the final assembly of such things would ever be machine. It'd always be, it's just a question of not whether you're going to outsource it somewhere where labor's cheaper or whether you're going to do it in-house where you've designed it. And they've gone for the doing it in-house where they've designed it in the theory that being hands-on with the products over hundreds of them or thousands of these units will give them a better understanding of how well their design works for future improvement. And if you want to pledge $2,000 or more, you can have lunch with the uh, team that's building it. Uh, no one has taken them up on that one yet. I'll no. just say that. That's a great one. I love it. I love if, that it. Included, if that included uh, tickets, plane tickets, then we could do that. And it would probably be cheaper than just going to San Francisco. Very true. But I don't think it does. I no, it's, it's, it's explicitly not. There has been two takers on the $500 Skype conversation with them, though. That's going to be terribly awkward, isn't it? This is going to be like, <laughs> oh, hi, oh, hi. Uh, so, what do you want to say? Uh, mm, not sure. Oh, I'm using up my well, $500. Most expensive Skype we, call ever. We haven't mentioned what it's called. Maybe it's called the C24, demand. which is like... Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry, it's Maybe. okay. You are going to continue the joke. I was trying to bring it back to the product, but... Sorry. <laughs> Sam, Sam's trying to do proper coverage here, which is fine. But I'm just thinking, you know, if maybe there's demand for this. I'm saying if people want to pay $500 to have a Skype conversation with the audio podcast team, I think we're up for that. Hey, well, I think we'd be happy for, you know, 20 quid. Take us out for lunch when we're oh, on is that more, Hang on, is that each, Adam? That's like 20 between Yeah, yeah, <laughs> obviously each. Apparently, Adam so Yanch, if, if you want to speak to Adam Yanch, if you want to speak to Adam on Skype, apparently 20 quid and you're done. I'm holding out for $500. <laughs> but for $500, Adam will be there and Sam will be there. I'm a busy man, though, so you better have something to say. You know, not just, oh, you've got oh, nice yeah, hair. You, you need to be interested. Because I know I've got nice hair. You don't we have want, to tell want, me that. We want quality, in-depth audio tech analysis. That's what we want. What's we want? Like, like, like we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and with that comes to the end, uh, the news section of this episode of the audio podcast. And that can mean, uh, well, it can mean two things. It can mean we go on to a miscellaneous section uh, or that we go on to plunder. I'm going to create a new miscellaneous section for us today, uh, which is audio related. Okay. Um, Bargain Corner, I'm going to call it. It's it's taken from <laughs> IKEA's Bargain Corner um, in their shops. Uh, so, hang on, is, what? <laughs> okay, no, no, I, no, I haven't got, so, I haven't got that yet. So, Adam, Adam, I'll stop you momentarily. This material that you're discussing is what we would refer to as other. So you're in the other section, please. Okay, on. so this is the this is the Bargain Corner section. So today, I um I saw in a shop window. A Korg was micro... it in the corner of the window? Uh, it was no, it was pretty much dead center. Okay. Yeah, but the bargain corner part is really—it's <laughs> not to do with primaries <laughs> in the display. It's actually to do with something else. So um, I saw a Korg Micro Korg keyboard, synthesizer keyboard, for one hundred and thirty pounds. Is that a good deal? What do you think? <sighs> I'm not. I'm not willing to commit without a quick eBay here. I'll quickly eBay though. While... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I can. I'll give you a bit more background. Anyone who's listening and who lives in Bristol. So it's a, a microcorg, yes. It's a microcorg. So that's like the the model, the small model of the MS2000, yeah. um, and it's in the window of Cash something, 
one of the uh, dodgy shops in Bedminster in Bristol. Um, and yeah, it's in there for a hundred and thirty pounds, one hundred twenty nine ninety nine. Was it? Wasn't it? Was this the ones? Was this the, is it the micro cork, the mini cork? Were these ones at these anniversary editions of all red keys and things like that last year? Oh, yep. yeah, yeah, right. maybe. And they had gooseneck microphones on them. Goose yeah, ah, yes. gooseneck microphone. I, I don't know if gooseneck so microphone it, comes with this one. If if you were to, I I would say that's probably about right. Oh, okay. Because usually those kinds of shops tend to overcharge significantly for audio tech, is what I've noticed. But uh, yeah, okay. Do you think I should go and do you think I should go and buy it? No, I'm not saying I didn't say that. On on eBay right now, if you were to get one, if you wanted one right now, it'd be 155 pounds as an auction or 199. Buy it now. Oh, okay. So 129. That's not too bad. Let's hope that someone isn't listening in and snaffles it up before I get down there. So anyway, that ends uh, the other section, which was uh, this. Uh, can, I, can we have some more of that? I'll um, I'll follow up from my Windows. I've I've done some more Windows audio exploring, and um, Asio for you works. Um, but the Windows way of handling our sound cards sucks. That's it. My coverage for Windows audio this week. <laughs> and. <laughs> you need to write that uh, that as a post, Sam. Oh, do I? Yes. No, because I promised that my amazing. other section wouldn't turn into Windows. Is Windows sucks, so I'll just put that in in the audio no, no, but, but it, video only. It, it's fantastic. It's 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 fantastic. That's funny. okay. I'll write that up. I'll write that up. People love that. I'll listen back and type it in verbatim, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Fantastic! What is the actual plunder? Does anybody have any idea what the actual plunder was? I don't. It's in front of me. I've not loaded it. Something from the 1980s. What's this? It's an oh, interesting. I know what it is. I know it's an interesting article about the history of synthesis in the 1980s by Suzanne Kiani. Cool. Scott, quickly though, do you want do you want to add something to our um, ad hoc other section, or are you happy I'm, to move on? I'm. I'm busy quickly adding in the things you've already added into it, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. In that case, we'll give you uh, at least five seconds uh, more to do that by going, ooh, arr, arr. There we go. Yeah, but we, we just uh... did the plunder. Yeah, but you just, well, that, that you just mentioned it. You didn't talk about it. Plundering. Oh, okay, I see. We didn't actually talk about it. So, uh, what's the background of this article? Um, the 1980s, there were lots of synthesis kind of advancements and someone's written an article about that which includes videos yeah. <laughs> everybody loves videos she, she, I recognize her that's uh, Suzanne Chiani that's right, I think yeah. it's Chiani and I guess she might be talking, I don't know um, have either of you watched the two videos? Yes. Nope. <laughs> I take it back. Yes, one of us has. I have. They're, they're great. You know, they're, it, it's going to tell you a history of synthesis in the 1980s, which is a, the kind of... It, it's one of those time periods that people don't really celebrate because obviously it's no longer kind of hardware, which is kind of like cool and trendy and hard to find. And at the same point, it's pre-computing, so it has all of those limitations of kind of 80s digital computing. So, you know, memory's expensive, processors are expensive, you end up with synthesizers which can only do, you know, maybe only have 12 or 13 oscillators in them. And you see all those kind of synthesis techniques based on how to get the most out of l very limited resources. 
and at the same point you get all of those kind of characteristic sounds as well and they're like you know the things that make um things like zero freeze and 909 sound the way they do it's an awful lot to do with the early digital technology that's being used as much as any sort of deliberate kind of planning as well so i thought it was a really interesting you know if you're interested in the history of synthesis here's a couple of videos which kind of talk about the the non-heyday of synthesis you know no nobody celebrates the 80s synthesis particularly but these nonetheless kind of talk about it and i think it's interesting cool good plunder that's something you can follow up the audio podcast with this evening and that's fantastic. So, does that mean we've made it to the end of the show? Scott, Scott you're, you're he's gone very axis. far away. <laughs> you're off axis, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, it's because I'm trying to like quickly write up Adam's additional item while we were just finishing that, uh, that thing there. I've done it now, though. So I think we've made it to the end of the show. I suspect that most of our uh, long-term listeners probably stopped listening a while ago, actually. <laughs> what, you mean, in this... In this Version or to the show in general? No, no, I, I mean, no, I, I mean, to this episode of the show, I suspect the majority of our listeners detected approximately 20 minutes ago that we just lost the plot again. <laughs> no, I don't think we did at all. And and that if they wanted to check out the plunder, they could go check out the plunder. But it, it took us. We we spent seven minutes discussing logic, a microcore. No, we didn't. No, we spent we, about we two spent minutes more time talking about, talking so about we had this to that time. <laughs> well, you know, because the microcorg thing was actually, you know, that was personal and it had real, it was based in reality. Whereas, say, for example, um, Arturia Spark 1.7 is a piece of software, and we talked about it last week or something. There's, a, um, there's also the Spark LE or Sparkle hardware controller for that, which is a hardware controller that goes with it. Yeah, but we talked about that the other week, but we've never talked about seeing a microcorg in a shop window and should we buy it or not. I think that's a great contribution to the other section and I, I hope for more in the future. There we go. We're, we are pushing, thank you, Sam. We're pushing forward the boundaries of the audio podcast and I think maybe we should draw this episode to a close. <sighs> Some more logic. So I, I, I hope, I suspect we may have a show next week. Maybe. I should think so at yes. some point. This week, um, that we've been recording today on Monday, the 22nd of July. I think we try and get it in every show. I don't know if we did this week. We didn't yet, but we have now. Fantastic. Um, and remember, of course, you can go and look at uh, all of the show notes, this show, previous shows at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter, The Audio Podcast. Uh, you can email. And on Google Plus. Oh, Google, and Google Plus. Plus. And Google. email us. And Google email. Plus is really quite cool, actually. I'm enjoying Google Plus much more than Facebook now. So there we go. That's done. I need to and get more. Th this show it. will be online in your uh, on online in your podcast feed and on iTunes and all that sort of stuff as well. YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube or subscribe on iTunes. It's always nice if you subscribe. And yeah. our website should our website is working much better now. The main problems have been resolved, which is nice. I was happy about that. Scott will cover I that in the networking podcast <laughs> later in the week. Yeah. I've been Scott Hewitt, and I've had an absolute blast on this show. I'm Samuel Freeman. And uh, with consu not, not consumer advice, but uh, consumer advice if you want a microcorg and you live in Bristol, uh, I'm Adam Yanch. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.